G'day and welcome to another episode of the Reformers Bookcast. We are in our From the Archives series in between Seasons 3 and Seasons 4 of the Bookcast. My name is Tom Eglinton, the manager here at Reformers Bookshop. And today we're bringing to you an interview that we did with Ed Welch and Peter Sondergeld back in 2018. Uh, Peter Sondergeld is from Restore Ministries and he's a pastor up in Queensland. And Ed Welch is a biblical counsellor from the United States, and he has written many, many books. And we were talking to uh, Ed and Peter about biblical counselling. We covered Ed's uh, best-selling book, Caring for One Another. But uh, one of the interesting things was that um, Ed had just brought out a series of books where, where he's written some and other people have written others, a series of books that seeks to apply biblical counselling to children. That series is called Good News for Little Hearts. It's a great Great little series, and you'll learn about it in this interview. G'day, Tom here from Reformers Bookshop with another Reformers interview. Um, We're privileged to have with us Ed Welsh from CCEF, uh, as well as Peter Sondergold from the Project Church in Toowoomba and Restore Ministries. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. Thanks, Tom. Ed and, and Peter are down in Sydney for a conference with Restore Ministries, um, which was which was really wonderful. Um, so uh, perhaps you're, you're both in the biblical counselling space. Um, can, you, can you tell us, perhaps, Ed, what, what is biblical counselling? And then both, both of you, how did you get into biblical counselling? The first question is a great question because because the word counselling, it, it somehow it evokes some highly professional picture and I think even occasionally my students think that, and they think oh, only if Ed would be here, he would have the key to the whole kingdom, and they're not accurate with that. Uh, uh, so I, I rarely use the word biblical counseling, I think in terms of wise conversations. Okay, okay. What does it mean for Christians to have wise conversations? That And, and, and wisdom is, is the scripture as it sort of pierces into the, the challenges of every single day life. So in that sense, it's very similar to discipleship, but mm. but it's something is some we're stuck somewhere. Something is hard, and and I think I need help. That okay, that okay. tends to be what moves it into this thing called counseling. But I think of it as simply we want to have wise conversations that are edifying, that point us to Christ, and 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 together find how Christ speaks to right. these particular details. So so does that mean that um. That biblical counseling is not for a bunch of professionals who, who should be interested in this. Well, I think it's, it's the nature of wisdom, where where we come to Christ and and the the nature of the new covenant, as far as I can tell from Jeremiah, is that it's liberally distributed even to children. Mm. So so wisdom is available to children, and and I've seen wise conversations even among my own grandchildren and and I've been the recipient of their wisdom so so in that sense the biblical counseling that is these wise conversations it's distributed to everyone who has the spirit yet at the same time the nature of wisdom is we we grow in it and and so we we take experience seriously experience in 
in growing in the knowledge of Christ and having the scripture speaking to our own hearts in the midst of our own troubles. So, so in that sense, it wouldn't, I wouldn't call it professional, but, but there, we, we anticipate that we grow and have, mm-hmm. have, have more wisdom as time goes on. Mm. So then I guess the second question, perhaps uh, to you first, Peter, mm, sure. how, how did you come to grow in, in wisdom, in wise conversations? Yeah, so in, uh, I, th- I think it was around about 2009, I was just uh, winding up uh, studying a, a secular counselling qualification. I finished uh, shortly after that. I heard the uh, the, uh, the uh, theological kind of uh, theme of idolatry uh, came up and I, uh, I ended up, I'm not even sure how, but I ended up stumbling across David Powlison's article, Idols of the Heart and Vanity mm-hmm. Fair. Um, I guess I had a kind of, kind of, uh, cognitive dissonance like my head the things that I was learning in my secular counseling qualification just didn't always uh, match well with what I understood from scripture and the way I could see life happening uh, for people and uh, what actually happened is that I read this article and it was the only way I can think to describe it is that my world turned from black and white into color I saw myself more clearly I could see some of the things that were that were driving me and that were operating inside of me beyond a generic term like sin, I, I could see those those things happening, and I could see other people more clearly as well. And it, it was um, I trust that I've grown even more uh, since then in understanding people and the way that things operate, and the way that Scripture describes people and and how change happens. But it was a it was a light bulb moment for me uh, then, and it, it just started a journey of wanting to grow in, in the skill that that Ed talks about and the wisdom. Mm, wonderful. Mm. And how, how about you, Ed? How did you come to be where you are? I was converted at university, and there was really no context for it. My parents were Christians, and I wasn't. But my mom would sneak a Bible into my luggage every time I went. And the first year at university, I, I was indignant about that. The second year, I thought it was cute. And the third year, for various circumstances, I actually read it. And as I read scripture, I... I was gradually convicted of, of, of a life against God. And not already planned to do a few other things vocationally, but, but as that conviction worked in my own heart and I turned to Christ, I was thinking, this is very powerful stuff. And whatever I want to do, I think I want to, I want to know this better. So as a result, I went to a theological college to simply to study scripture. I didn't have any particular vocational plans. I just wanted to study the Bible because I didn't know what you did with the Bible. I didn't know there were jobs that you could work with the Bible. And I think it was midway through the, my theological course that, that there were some pastors who were doing this thing called biblical counseling. And I had a chance to observe it. And I, I was smitten. I was smitten to observe in the context of a relationship scripture speaking meaningfully and 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 more potently than anything outside of scripture could possibly speak i saw scripture speaking meaningfully to the hearts of people and watching them grow and change and i remember thinking if i could do this this is what i would i would like to do so and it just so happens that i've been able to do it who would have thought (laughs) wonderful thank you um, and Ed, Ed, you've written many books on this topic. Uh, one of your most recent is Caring for One Another. Um, who did you write this book for? 
maybe you've written many books. This one seems very thin. Um, what? Why is it? Why is it smaller than all the others? And um, and who? Who's it for? What's it for? I. I um. Probably around 20 years ago, I decided I would do an introduction to biblical counseling. Mm -hmm. And I wrote one. It's probably around 700 pages long. <laughs> and I think for 24 hours, I thought it was good. Uh, but after 24 hours, I realized it was rubbish. Uh, and and so I just tucked it away. And, and probably five years later after that, I, I, I tried one again. And it wasn't quite rubbish, but it was just bad. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, I realized to 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 write about... What scripture, how scripture speaks to life, it takes more maturity than I have to simplify this canon of scripture in, 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 so it can answer the question, how can we meaningfully help one another in everyday life is a very challenging thing. So that small little, little, little book is, is my, my 700 page introduction to biblical counseling that, uh, that hopefully is more accessible. And and the question of the book is, it's taken very seriously. We live in a New Testament where the Spirit is given to everyone. And one of the things I appreciate with Peter's ministry is, is he, he takes Ephesians 4 very seriously, where pastors, their job is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. And, and this, is, this is one way that I've been trying to equip the saints. How do we do pastoral care for one another? What are the, what are the critical skills that we must have from Scripture to be able to do such a thing? Wonderful. Well, I was uh, having a look through it, and I think you've, you've done that quite well. I'm going to have a very deep look into it, uh, into that little, little book. Um, but one of the things that struck me, and I'd, I'd love your input on this, Peter, mm. is we, we, all get, we all get that we want to do that, right? We, like, we all want to connect. Uh, and we want we all want to connect, care for one another, but it's hard. It's hard to get past and onto that next stage. Mm. And I, I know you've been working closely in, in restore ministries in mm. in how to um, get to that next level. What are what are some of the ways that we can get past the hurdles? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I um, one of the uh, the pictures that I often put up for people when I'm talking about things like this are, uh, are two arrows heading in opposite directions. At one end you've got the fear of being known, and at the other end you've got the desire to be known. Yes. And uh, I feel like people get stuck in the middle. Mm -hmm. Like they they really do want to be known, but it's really scary. And in some ways, uh, one of the things that I've um, thought for a while now is the perfect place for someone to share the depths of what's going on inside of them and to risk people seeing the shame that they carry is actually a perfect world. Pre-Genesis 3, yes, pre yes, the yes, fall. Yes. Like that would be the best place to take someone who's filled with shame and who struggles to actually speak of the things that are so deeply personal to them. But we're just not in that world. And I think that's part of the the complication there, and, and, and I think, um, you know, sometimes I look at Genesis 3 and, and I just think, man, like all of a sudden, you know, you can see it kind of play out, like all of a sudden Eve's not sure whether Adam's going to back her anymore because he turns on her, um, and, and the, the self the self-centeredness, I guess, of the orientation to yourself just makes that a bit confusing. So you have these moments, I think, in life where... Um, people do the most 
amazing things and they care for each other in the most amazing ways and then sometimes that can the opposite can happen and it can kind of you know it's almost like a you know getting t-boned in a car it just kind of comes out of left field and and you didn't know it was coming and it, it really stings and so in one sense and we have these experiences in caring for one another and loving one another that um almost coax us out of the uh, of, of hiding with the things that we struggle with and then every now and then something happens that tells us that maybe we should stay in there and I think that's just such a battle I think I think one of the um, personally as a senior pastor of a church I think one of the key things um, and I put my neck on the line regularly <laughs> uh, in this particular way is that someone has to start Someone just has to start talking about the things that they struggle with um, and put their neck on the line. And, and, um, and I am absolutely persuaded that that's the leader's job. And I don't mean the main leader's job. I think that's, uh, I've always believed that people that you lead will be a lesser concentration of what you are. Mm-hmm. So if I want my people to be open and transparent with one another, then I'm the one that needs to lead with that appropriately and, and do that. And I think my elders, the elders of the church, also need to lead with that and do that appropriately. Um, we, we had this, I'll share this quick story with you. We had this um, person in the church um, who had this big struggle in their life um, and it was uh, a long-term struggle that had dogged them and no one really knew they'd kept it a secret from everyone and one day uh, she sent me a text message she said i need to come and see you can i come and see you and your wife and she came and she sat down and she almost said these words she goes i've been listening to you um talking about how everyone's got a mess inside and that we need to come to jesus with our mess she said i've listened to you numerous times talk about that she said, and I want to come and tell you the mess that's going on inside of me. And so it was almost like she watched and she watched and she watched. And when she was finished watching, she watched a little more. <laughs> and it was almost, I mean, it almost had that Genesis 3 kind of quality about it where, what are you doing in the bushes, you know? And she's, maybe she's, you know, if I can use that metaphor, there's, she's peering through the bushes and she's watching what's going on in the church. She's listening to me. She's watching the leaders. She's hearing what we're saying to people. And then it gets to a point where she goes, I'm going to take a risk in coming out from in the bush mm. and, uh, and see what happens. And uh, that moment was so critical for her because the last thing that I want to see happen when someone from my church comes out and actually talks about something that's deep and painful and has dogged them for a long time is to mishandle them and have them go, no, I'll go back into the bush and I'll stay in the bush. That's better to be in the bush. And so that's, I mean, it's difficult. I find it difficult to be vulnerable with my people. Um, And it's painful sometimes to do that. And in fact, I feel very uncomfortable when I do it. But I think I'd be, I'd feel way more uncomfortable with the church that didn't talk about real things that were going on. And I would find that way more painful than the cost that it is for me to be open about um, things that are going on for me and how Jesus connects with that. Mm. Would, you add, would you add anything to that, Ed? I'll approach it from 
from not the, the leadership level, but mm. from just an ordinary kind of person yeah, yeah, level. Yeah. Um, what we're looking for is a, is a means of care for one another where we don't have to be smart, we don't have to be prized theologians, we just need to be followers of, of Jesus Christ. So, so here would be the way it naturally unfolds. We move toward people rather than wait for them to come to us. Mm-hmm. That's, well, that, what, what is that? That's just the way we've been treated. We have a God who's pursued us and he doesn't wait for us to turn, he pursues us and mm-hmm. so we pursue others. And then a simple question, how was your week? And in that question, first of all, a lot of people never get asked a question like that. Uh, it's and sometimes it's a bit startling. How are you or something like that. Yeah, and, yeah, and how are you is, is, is just to find a question. But in, 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 in American, in, in, the, in, in, in my language, how are you is, 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 is a greeting. Yes, it's not right. a question. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to say, how are you? Uh, yeah. And you're and, supposed to say, good. Right, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Um, but but I'll, I'll, I'll use that question. How are you? Um, and you say, how are you? I say, well, I'm doing well, but how are you? Mm. And, and it, it's, it, it, it's, there's some people who are never meaningfully asked that question. Mm. Mm. And, and, and then it, it, can, it, it can go from how are you? And, and here's where it can, can become a little bit problematic. How are you? How was your week? Same thing. Um, and say something about your kids. Yeah, yeah. And I say, oh yeah, well, I've had the same thing happen to my kids. And all of a sudden I'm talking about my own children and, and you recognize the rules of the, of the conversation that, that we're just gonna talk about our own things. But, but that, how are you? Hmm. Tell me more about your kids. Hmm. It, it, it's, it, is, it is something that mere human beings don't get to hear very often. And, and it's the, the kinds of questions that anybody could ask. So. So that's that, that's what I'm trying to do in the book. What are what are ordinary ways that we can move into a person's heart, and it's going to be gradual. It doesn't happen immediately, but but really, how are you? Really, I want to know about your week. Mm. Just simply ask a question like mm. that, and mm. and find what was moving for the person, and be moved by those very things ourselves. Yeah. Mm. And and what I loved you as you were talking at the conference. Um, was how you linked that in with um, how God relates to us, how God even perhaps relates inside of himself. Um, do you want to enlarge on that a little bit as well? The, the a word that I often come back to is, is God has created this intensely personal world. And it's, it's mm. simply a reflection of, of his amazing triune being. Mm. That he is, he is the God, this... This back and forth, this knowing, not being known, this 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 perfection of love and and and, and fellowship and friendship, perhaps we could call it, mm-hmm. and then for the Lord to choose to distribute that to us in our relationships, but not only that, to 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 allow us to be joining Him in that very triune relationship. It's almost too much to be able mm-hmm. to articulate, but. But it is, it's simply a reflection of the triune God who says, I want other people to join the fun. <laughs> I want other people to, to know what it is, to, mm-hmm. to know and be known, to love and to, mm-hmm. and to be loved. So it's, it's like you're saying, it's, it's simply working out 
very basic matters of ordinary theology that happens in our relationship with the Lord and what does this look like as we, yeah. as we, as we work it out with each other. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, and I, I think one of the things I'm, I love about how both of you talk about biblical counseling is that it is, it is very everyday. Mm. It's so very mundane, really. You're dealing with the what's going on in people's life. What, what I, I like, I like the word mundane. That's a great word. <laughs> uh, it's not, a, it's not derogatory. It's, it's, we wanted to reach into the ordinary moments yeah, of it's, life. It's and just, so that's, a, so I like that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I interrupted no, you. No, 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 no. And, and so on that, on that thought, um, very, very new, um, book that you have edited. Um, this one here, Buster's ears trip him up. And there's a, a couple other kids books behind you there, uh, done by David Paulson as the editor. Um, these are, these are what I've been calling biblical counseling for kids. Now there's nothing like this out there, um, and this is this is at the very bottom end of mundane, right? You're dealing with your kids. Mm. How how would you see these books being used by parents to have those discussions <laughs> with their children? This particular book is, is is essentially trying to get at we our lives can change based on the criticism and the opinions of other people, mm. and and they. They can, they can have this godlike power in our lives, mm. and I, when I was when, when I was going to theological college, I drove a school bus, and and I had a chance to hear how kids speak with one another, and I, I found myself thinking, how can anybody live past eight years old <laughs> when they're getting this kind of criticism day in and day out, and 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 if, if scripture doesn't speak into those troubles for a children and an adult heart, then, then it, it, seems, it, it seems somewhat meaningless. It, it's, we, we have to wait for eternity to kick in, and then, then Scripture becomes relevant. So that particular book is trying to deal with what do we do when we are criticized and, mm. and ostracized from mm. other people. Mm. The, the book is in t I, I, no, two things. One is... I found it's very difficult to write a children's book, and I'm very bad at it. Uh, so that's that's one thing. the The second is the book is 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 not intended to give all the answers from Scripture. It is intended to say, "Hey, son, daughter, this is what you. I know you experience these kinds of things. Let's talk about them yeah. because yeah. God cares about these yeah. things." And yeah. and it it begins to open this wonderfully important conversation. And and and, and 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 perhaps it becomes a way a, a parent can pray with their child about mm, these things. Wonderful. So that's 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 what I hope. So perhaps uh, mini redemption groups with your kids. Because <laughs> I, I read it the same way. It was like um, it was. This is this is not just a one-off read book. This is a conversation that you're going to be having. Mm. Um, and so I saw it as a great resource just for me with my kids in, mm -hmm. in how, to, mm -hmm. how to have a conversation about it. There's a great page at the back um, where, where you've given some guidance as to what that discussion might look like, where you walk through what seems like a little structured biblical counseling it, <laughs> it is. discussion yeah. with your kids. There it's trying to say, here's a story. It seems like a normal story, but there, 
They're theological matters. This, this takes us into the depths of Scripture that are very attractive. And here are some of those depths. That's what I was trying to do in that. Beautiful. And you know, we're not going to give our children all those depths all at once, but no. but over the next 15 years, maybe we can give them more. So, um, And just earlier today, Peter, you were talking sure. about how you've had to have these sort of conversations with your kids. Mm. Um, have, have you found that having this framework of seeing how the Bible relates to the everyday helps in, in even those sort of situations? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I'm... I'm uh, crazy passionate about the fact that um, spiritual conversations need to be an everyday experience and and um, we we have talked we have talked about them um, regularly on many occasions I remember um, one particular occasion it came back my way uh, from one of my kids I think he was uh, probably six at the time uh, I was driving him uh, to school, uh, the school that I worked at as a teacher at the time, and uh, busy in my own mind about my own little concerns. Uh, or I, I don't even know what I was thinking about. I know it was it was not God in the center. Let, let's just say that. And out of the blue, he uh, he came out in the back seat and he just said, uh, "Hey, Daddy." Uh, you shouldn't worship anyone but Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> it was like it was like a punch in the nose right there because he just I just got caught out. You know, I yeah. got caught out because I it wasn't my, my 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 heart was not oriented to the Lord in that moment. It was oriented somewhere else, and I can't remember what it was. But uh, I just worked really hard with the kids to uh, just kind of boil it down. Um, reading through. Um, uh, with one of my boys, I'm reading through the Heidelberg Catechism at the moment and uh, just working through the questions and reading scripture. And uh, I mean, it's just been a thing in the Sondergeld house over the last week where uh, I'd, I'll just come out and I say, uh, Righto, I said, you got two jobs today. This is when they're all getting ready for school. You got two jobs today. What are they? And it's one of my boys who just sing out, Love Jesus and love your neighbor. And, it, and it's, just a, it's just a light kind of. You know, there's lots of things on our agenda today, but it all fits in underneath this umbrella that we uh, we want to remember to love God. We want to remember to love our neighbour, and uh, that's where um, I find the biblical counselling. Even though that's a, the Heidelberg Catechism, I find biblical counselling so helpful because I, I agree with Ed. I, I think uh, if Scripture doesn't speak down to the lowest level, uh, we probably need to work a bit harder because I think that's. God's intention. I think it's it goes beyond us, and it speaks of great mysteries. And but it's also something a child can understand, and and we do well to to work and to think and to grapple with it, so we can distill it down to 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 a kid's level. I think it's really important. Yeah, wonderful. Mm. Thanks. Mm. Um, perhaps uh, as a sort of final line of line of thought, um, we obviously sell a lot of books, and people. Um, who buy books for us, hopefully read those books. Uh, <laughs> do, do you have a tip for, for how to get the most out of a book? Uh, perhaps Ed, Ed first and then, and then Peter. Mm. What's a tip for reading a book? I, I might pass to Peter on that one. That's, that, that's a great question. I, how do I read a book? I, give me, give me, yeah, give me a chance to think about that one. That's, <laughs> it's, it's a great question because it, it depends on the book. Um, yeah, right. So... Go to <laughs> yeah, and, 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 hospital well, pass. Well, if I could ask a question, how do you read a book? 
Could, yeah, yeah, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not trying to be a counselor yeah. with you. Know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just interested because uh, it's, it's a great yeah, question. Right. Yeah. Go ahead. Are you going to answer I'll, the question? I'll answer first. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Sure. Uh, well, we've. I've been asking this question of quite a number of people over the last year or so. Um, so it's, it's been changing, um, and I mean, there's all sorts of different things. But I, I, I actually think one one of the things is I don't necessarily read all of the book. Mm. So I've I have a fairly large bookshelf, um, and I'll I'll just go and skim things and sort of get an idea of um, what the books are about, because I know one day I might need to know what the books are about. Um, so I, I I treat books you, you, more yeah, as a reference. You have to have awareness of all kinds of books. I do so. in my job, but I I do it actually because I I regularly give books away. I see I see books mm. as a communal affair, mm. um, and that's what I love about them. And so, I mean, in this job, I'm always recommending books to people, but I also do that at home. <laughs> and so I like to know what more than, I can't read every book. So I like to know what books are about just by skimming yeah. through them mm. and having a look at the contents and things like that. Mm. Um, there you go. I, I envy that and would like to do more of it. But I, I like to read the book. And, and, um, so I, I, I read books that I, that I enjoy the person who's writing them, uh, because, you know, they're, mm -hmm. they're a conversation partner for, yes, you know, yes. for a number of hours. And some books have more personality than others. Yeah. And, and I, I, I enjoy writers who, who care about their craft and, and want to offer truth in ways that are really attractive. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I, I do find myself reading a little slower as a result and, and enjoying and probably similar to a conversation. I, I'm thinking in a conversation with another person, I want to know one thing about that person that I can sort of tuck away in my heart and, and maybe pray for them and, 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 be, and learn from them. So I, I think the same thing with a book. When I go to a book, whether it's five minutes or, or 45 minutes, I would like to get one thing from that book that it just sort of rearranges my soul and my understanding of other people that, or it motivates me, compels me to, to love with slightly different words. That's, that's what I'm looking for. Do you have a favorite author? Uh, that's a good question. What it, it depends on the day. I'm, the, a, a book that I read over the past year, it, I, my, I used to, I used to give Christmas presents of my favorite book from the year. Everybody would get a copy of it, um, <laughs> and I, I haven't gotten this this book as a copy. But a fellow named Michael Morales, who's a teacher in a seminary in the United States, it was a commentary on Leviticus. Okay. But you know, Leviticus, the great killer of Bible readings, <laughs> um, uh, and and he 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 put the story of Leviticus in the sto larger story of Scripture. And it was just beautiful. So, so, and I read it twice. In any book I read twice, I, I have to, I have to identify. So, so what was it? He, 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 he showed me how the Old Testament is this beautiful, concrete way of pointing to these these wondrous spiritual realities. And the Day of Atonement is right in the center of it all. That's you know, it's the centerpiece of Leviticus. Leviticus is focusing mm -hmm. on that particular event, which is the most dramatic way to speak about Christ in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. So that's a commentary on Leviticus. Um, and that mm -hmm. I would say that that was my favorite book of the year. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. 
How about you, Peter? Do you have a tip for reading a book? Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's this is a heck of an admission, probably, but I, I, I since I was uh, in school, I just didn't enjoy reading mm-hmm. uh, very much, and um, so I think I finished one one book in the whole of high school, and I sat next to people who finished books for the rest of it, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I think I'm. A, a significant reader. I read a lot of books, but I don't. It's a strange thing. I've never read for fun. Mm. Um, I've only ever read for personal benefit. So I tend. I don't read fiction. Um, people tell me that I should read fiction books, and I. I just. I don't like reading that much. It's. A, it's a strange thing. But at the same time, I love reading because there's great. I derive great benefit. So I'm reading all the time, and I'm. I'm reading um, multiple books at once. Um, I think my uh, style of reading has shifted a little bit in recent years to where I slow down. I tend to read smaller chunks uh, out of books. I might read three pages or four pages at once. There's this great quote in a Eugene Peterson book where he quotes, I think it's, I can't remember the name of the poet or the writer, but uh, the quote goes something like this, the kind of reader that this book requires is not someone who stays hunched over its pages, but someone who regularly leans back and lets the meaning flow through their blood. And that's uh, very much the kind of reading that I've been moving toward. I, I probably have four or five books on the go at any particular time. But I tend not to read whole chapters at a time, and I'm not necessarily recommending that this is what other people would do. But I read maybe two or three, four pages at a time, find something that connects well into scripture and and chew on it and uh, meditate on it, um, and then I'll I'll pick it up and I'll go again. Yeah. I'll just give one other thing. Sorry. Can I ask you, you a question? Yeah. Oh, you can. What's been your favorite book over the past year? If you could Enjoying identify one. Enjoying God by Tim Chester. In my opinion, immediately. best book of the year. Huh. It's fantastic. What's uh, it called again? Enjoying God. Enjoying God. It's, it's I, I really enjoy Tim Chester. I, yeah, I yeah, really yeah. have appreciated his work. The theme, it seems, of the last sort of six months in my life has been this communion with the triune God thing. You brought it up. Yeah, Kelly Capick, yeah. we interviewed earlier in the year. Tim Chester talks about yeah. it in his book. Yeah. It's just, and he shows you how to do it. Hmm. Thanks. In, in the hard Appreciate times, that. in the yeah. trials and all that hmm. sort of thing. Hmm. Um one one other thing you made me think of when you said you sat next to the people who read good read books. Mm. My my other tip would for reading books would be talk to people about mm. the books you're reading, because, mm. like you said, not not everyone likes to read. Mm. Not everyone finds it easy to read, mm. and you learn a lot from people. But well, people can learn about the the books and get the goodness out of it just by you talking to them. Talking uh, to them. Uh, yeah, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm, you you caused me to think of two things. One is. To, to cheat and ask other people yes. what are their favorite books <laughs> <laughs> and, and to, to, to learn vicariously yeah, through yeah, that. That's um, right. that's so right. that, that, that's one thing that, that you're suggesting, which, which is very helpful. The other is, there's, I can remember one time when my, I, was, I went to church, my wife couldn't go because she was sick and, and it was a very fine sermon and I came back home. She said, well, how was the sermon? I said, Good, and she said, "Well, tell me about it." I said, "Well, it was, it was, it was good. It was a good sermon." <laughs> and and I realized that 
Now, that process of knowing something more deeply, we can hear something, not listen yes, to the sermon, yes. but to be able to put it into speech exactly. is, is a very different process where we know it better. We, we, we're, we're learning as we do it. And so, mm-hmm. so I appreciate what you're doing. You're challenging us to, how well do we know what we just read? Well, if we know it well enough, we can talk to somebody about it and enthuse them about it as well. So thank you. I appreciate that. I probably Can I just chip in on that too? I think that's probably the key to where I've transitioned in terms of the way that I, I read. And when I said that I don't naturally like reading, I think what I'm saying mostly is that I don't read purely for information's mm-hmm. sake. Um, I, I, I read to savour. Yes. I think, and so I read a lot and I, I read a lot of books, but it's not because I'm wanting to gather information, it's because I'm wanting to save a truth. Um, and that, the truth that nourishes me and helps me and grows me and extends me. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Well, mm. I think that's all we have time for. It's been a, a real pleasure. Thank you, Ed. Mm. Thank you, Peter, for yeah, taking thanks. the time. Thanks, Tom. Yeah.